You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Ezekiel 37, and um, we'll read verse 1 to 14, and I'd like us to read together. Verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you, and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you. And you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them. And the skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on the slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Nigeria. In the name of Jesus. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. He says, therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into this good land, Nigeria. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves, I will put my spirit in you. And you shall live, and I will place you in this your land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, our theme that we are fasting with, I believe everyone here is fasting. Praise the Lord. Our theme, you know, for the fast for this period is taken from Second Corinthians 10. From verse 3, and it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not what? War after the flesh. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God, or mighty through God, for the pulling down of strongholds. It says, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. To the obedience of Christ. Six says, and being ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. Praise the Lord. So this is what we've been looking at. And this morning we are taking our text from Ezekiel 37. And what we want to take there is similar to what we saw when we you know, gathered here on Wednesday. God is saying something to us, and God wants us to come to an understanding. God wants us to come to be assured of something, and that is what he's doing for us in this period. Um, the Second Corinthians 10, part of it says, the things we pull down, we pull down strongholds, and then we also pull down every high thing that exalts itself against what? The knowledge of God. On Wednesday, we established that the Christian life 
is a pursuit, a journey into the knowledge of God. You are as much a Christian as the God you know. Praise the Lord. You're as less a Christian as the God you don't know. The more you know God, the more of a Christian you are. In fact, the Bible says, those who do know their God, they shall be strong and they won't carry out great exploits. What it means is that the measure of my strength is determined by the measure of my knowledge of God. The measure of my defeat is determined by the measure of my ignorance of God. And in this season, we want to grow. I want to grow. I believe you want to grow in the knowledge of this God. Can I hear amen? Amen. So we began to look on Wednesday and we saw how there was a scenario, there, a situation there. And Jesus in John chapter 6 threw a question to the disciple and said to him, look at this multitude. They need to eat. Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? You know, this morning as I was preparing, the Lord made me, you know, just note something there. That they never bought bread and the problem was solved. Praise the Lord. The issue was lack of bread. Praise the Lord. And Jesus said to the disciples, where shall we buy bread that this may eat? There was scarcity of bread. They needed bread. But we saw in that story that by the time the story was concluding, they did not buy bread. And yet they had 12 baskets full of bread and fish. Somebody say, my God is the awesome God. My God is the mighty God. My God is the God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I could ask or imagine. That is your God. That is my God. That is our God. Praise the Lord, somebody. So that passage said, Jesus asked the question, but we were told in the second verse after that, it says, this he said to test them because he himself knew what we would do. And we said there that God does not think the way a man thinks. Okay, uh, there's first scarcity, there's cash scarcity. How do I get cash? God does not think like that. Why? Because God is in a perpetual state of knowing. God cannot learn. God cannot be taught. God cannot be cancelled. He's omniscient. He knows all things from the beginning to the end. He knows the outcomes of every possibility and every probability. Praise the Lord. God is almighty. Praise the Lord. So the Bible said this he said to test them. Why? Because he himself knew what he would do. That is the God we serve. And that is what we must begin to establish in this season. That God knows what, what he would do. Concerning Nigeria, before we began to pray, before the saints, almost there is no Christian, there is no church that is not praying for Nigeria. Before even the enemy started oppressing us, he himself was, knew what he would do. That's the God we serve. Can we put our hands together and celebrate him? God is not, you know, joining a parade and marching and rehearsing how he's going to fight. He himself knows what to do. He already knew it. Praise the Lord. The song the choir sang says the giants, you know, how they fall. And we're reminded of the walls of Jericho. When they were building those walls, God put something under the foundation of the walls that if the people marched around that wall seven times and shouted on the seventh day seven times, that the wall will fall. So whatever design they had, there was a secret code that when God released it, the war had to succumb. Do we understand what we are talking about? We serve the alpha, which means before there was a beginning, he was there. And then when everything would have all ended, he would be there. He's the champion. He's the one that remains standing when all other enemies have bowed. The Bible says, wherefore has he given him the name that is above every name? That at the name of Jesus, what will happen? Every knee should bow of things in heaven, the Leviathans, in the sea, Whatever, wherever they are, in government, with money, with dollars, with old naira, with new naira, whatever it is, at the name of Jesus, how many knee bows? Every knee bows. That is the God we are talking about. Praise the Lord, somebody. Today, we are trusting God that our knowledge of God will expand. Praise the Lord. Because that is life. John seventeen three. 
our Lord Jesus Christ speaking. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. The knowledge of God is eternal life. Knowledge is powerful. It's always amazing how, you know, you, you watch some of those movies and somebody is locked up in a place and he's able to use a pin to unlock the door and be set free. What set him free? Not the captors. They didn't all of a sudden have mercy on him, but the knowledge he had, the training he had. Some people are, you know, trained to survive in the forest. They can squeeze water out of snake. Have you heard about that? They get their juice from snake. Anybody heard that before? So you haven't been taught survival skills. Anybody here in the military will understand. So knowledge is life. The more you know, the better you can live. Praise the Lord. Just like some of us are trying to be told that, you know, some kinds of food are not good for us. But the sweetness of the food is fighting with the knowledge that we are learning. Praise the Lord. So we are still undecided which side we will go. But incidentally, doctors don't take their advice. Have you noticed that? Doctors don't, don't really follow a lot of those advice they give. Praise the Lord. Okay. So when we come to our text, our text is very straightforward. It says what it's saying. And we mentioned on Wednesday, you know, this situation with Ezekiel. And what we find here is this. When, first of all, God said, look at the situation. And the Bible said, the spirit took Ezekiel around all the bones. And he looked at the bones. And it was Ezekiel that testified, you know, in his spirit that these bones were what? Dry. And they were not just dry. They were what? Very dry. They had become sunburned, sun, sun bleached. So these bones had no life. It meant that even uh, microorganisms were not existing in these bones. So there was no form, no sort of life in these bones. And then God asked him the question, son of man, that title is informative. Son of man, he says what? Can these bones live? Thank God for the patience and the wisdom Ezekiel applied. He looked at it as son of man, he would immediately what? Say no, these bones cannot live. But remember, the question that was asked him was asked not by son of man, but by who? The God of man. And the Bible says, for with God, what? Nothing shall be impossible. Jesus said to the disciples, with men, this may be impossible. So what Ezekiel was answering was, if it is between Ezekiel and these bones, I know what will happen. But when you are involved, you know what you can do. Praise the Lord. So he said to him, Lord God, what? You know. And based on that answer, God was able to allow Ezekiel to become a part of what he was doing. Now we learned on Wednesday that he has pleased God in this thing that he can do, you know, with his infinite power to just involve us. It's amazing. It just pleases him. He has finished all his work and then he looks around and he says, come along. He finishes creation and he looks at Adam and says, Adam, come along. And he takes Adam on a walk. And as Adam is walking, he sees the animals. He says to Adam, uh, to Adam, you didn't create them though, but call them. Whatever you call them, that becomes his name. He gives Adam the honor. He gives Adam the privilege of naming his creation. The same way, when we looked at the five loaves and two fish, the miracle, God had finished the miracle. He was not in the know of how he was going to do it. But it pleased him to create an opening so that a little boy there can do what? Can bring his lunch. And his lunch, technically, and by all you know, intents and purposes, fed a multitude. Why? Because God got him involved. God has gotten you and I involved in what he's doing in this nation. In the name of Jesus, what we're doing, the fast, the prayers, and all of that may seem so infinitely small, but not with God. We learn that what God is looking for is a DNA. Faith as little what? As a mustard seed. If he finds it, that is it. So God said to Ezekiel in this text, he said to Ezekiel, prophesy. The word prophesy means, simply means speak. Praise the Lord. Because you read some of these things in the Bible, you think you have to swell around, you know, to do it. No. Prophesy means, simply means speak. So God said to Ezekiel, speak to the bones. Now, I read recently that uh, um, horticulturists, that they speak to the plants. 
They speak to the plant. So when they're pruning the plants, they're apologizing to the plant, say, beautiful rose, you know, I'm cutting you, but don't feel bad because I'm cutting you so that you can bear better fruit. Now imagine you're walking around and you see your neighbor standing before the plant and telling the plant, yesterday I caught you, but I'm sorry, I'm coming to pour water on you. <laughs> what are you going to do? You're going to think that uh, something has gone wrong with him. Praise the Lord. But, but, but you see, creation hears. God, Jesus, when he was on earth, what did he do? He spoke to the fig tree and said to the fig tree, what? Let no man eat fruit from thee, what? Again, who informed the fig tree? The fig tree heard. Tell yourself, my speaking matter. Come out of my mouth, matter. Praise the Lord. In fact, in that passage in Mark 11, he said, have faith in God. For I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, be thou removed. Whosoever prophesies to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, he shall have what, whatever he says. Let me hear you say, speak. Now, what I want to beg you from today, receive the caution to only speak what you want. Praise the Lord. Receive better, in fact, better than what you want. Receive the wisdom. Now, caution to speak what you want. But now, the wisdom to speak only what God wants you to speak. Because that is wisdom. So, God said to Ezekiel, say to these dry bones. And the moment Ezekiel said it, the Bible said, they started coming together. Why? Because the God we serve is the God who says he watches over his word to do what? To perform it. Speak the word of God. No matter how unlikely, no matter how impossible the situation may be, speak the word of God. But before we get lost there, let me go to where, where I believe the Spirit of God you know, wants us to dwell in today. You see, there's a foundation that we see from these passages we've read. Ezekiel here now was in the Old Testament. So when God asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? What did Ezekiel say? Ezekiel said, thou knowest. But if it's in the New Testament, and they ask a man, a Christian in the New Testament, can the bones live? What should be his answer? We don't know, right? Okay. It's very good we, we, we didn't give an answer. Let me ask you a question, please. We are all Christians there. So who is a Christian? Who do you judge a Christian? How do you define a Christian? How do you know a Christian? Okay, let me help you. A Christian is a good person. A Christian is someone who doesn't steal, who doesn't lie, who doesn't cheat on his spouse, who doesn't fornicate as a single person. A Christian is someone nice, friendly, loving, forgiving, generous. He's a Christian, right? Sorry? So who is a Christian? Someone who is born again. So who is born again? Okay, who is a born again Christian? Because, you know, that word born again Christian is actually the Christians are born again. They are actually no halfway Christians. It's just, um, uh, what's it called? When you're filling forms and, you know, parental, you know, and they'll, they'll be doing census soon. So they'll say either this or this or that. But truly, every Christian ought to be born again. And if you're not born again, you're not a Christian. Okay, so all those things... And not a Christian. The Christian should be, do all those things. But all those things are not a Christian. Let me tell you what a Christian is. Let's look at the Bible. Romans 10. It says, if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And what? Believe in your heart that what happened? God raised him from the dead. He says you shall be what? It says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto what? Salvation. Now, let me tell you something. For me, or for any of us here, to qualify as a Christian, before our acts, before our behavior, before the things that we do, there must be something we believe. That's why you can say or replace the word Christian with a believer. Praise the Lord. So you, there's no place where they're called Christians, doers. But we are called believers in the Bible. Praise the Lord. We are called believers. Why? You're going to see as we go on that this is a core issue. Because in verse 6 of our text, Ezekiel 37. 
Look, look at what God said there. He said, I will put signings on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you. He says, and you shall live. What does he say last? He says, then you shall what? Now, it meant that the intent of that demonstration of power is that you may know. The Christian is someone who has come to know something that others don't know. Praise the Lord. In fact, if you look at that place, not just the verse 13, he repeats it again, you know, and says that you shall know. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. The next verse 14, he also says, then you shall know that I am the Lord. And Daniel that we looked at some time ago, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, do you know that decree by the watchers, Daniel 4, 17? Do you know why the watchers had to make that decree? This is what the Bible says. It says, this decision is by the Okay? And the sentence by the word of the Holy One. Why? It says, in order that the living word may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men. Now, hold it there. What is the implication of that? The most high rules, but they don't know. So this whole demonstration is that they may what? God does not begin to rule now. Even right now, God is ruling in Nigeria. But our prayer is that the hidden might know, the wicked might know, the undecided might know, the neutral might know, everybody might know. But it is a settled fact that God rules. Is anyone with me this morning? He said, in order, the purpose, the intent of this thing I'm doing to Nebuchadnezzar is that men may know, the living may know that it's not Nebuchadnezzar that reigns. And that's what God is going to do for us. That's my confidence. That God will teach us a lesson. There will be things done in Nigeria that generations will say, proof that there is God is that he did <laughs> Praise the Lord. You see, the Bible says God is spirit, okay? And those who worship him must worship him how? In spirit and in truth, okay? God is. In Hebrews, we're told he that comes to God must what? Must believe that he is. God does not become, in fact, God really doesn't do anything new. He's in a state of rest, okay? But God unfolds, you know, our understanding. That's why the Lord's Prayer says, our father which are in heaven, he settled there. He says what? Hallowed be your name. That word hallowed means, you know, make yourself more known. Let us, you know, let be revealed in our world. Okay? The Christian is somebody who has come to believe something. What has he come to believe? This is what he has come to believe. It's foundational, it's simple, but sometimes we need to remind ourselves. God created man. Praise the Lord. The Christian believes that. Everybody here believes that, right? God created man. Man sinned. Man lost his place in and with God. Okay? So man sinned. God created man. Put him in the garden. Man sinned. Lost his place in God and with God. And man became captive of sin and Satan. Okay? So God. Loving God. Holy God. Righteous God. Lost this man. And wants to save man. Okay? His love, his holiness, his righteousness, his justice, all of them together. God, by power alone, could have saved man immediately with a word. And sent Satan packing. But if God did that, he would violate his holiness and his justice. Because God has said to man, have dominion over the earth. So the earth that God gave man, man took the earth and gave Satan. If God stretched out his power and kicked Satan out, he would have been an intruder. Are you following me? So God had to save us in a way that he would also obey his laws. So God had to become man. Praise the Lord. To redeem man. Is someone following me? So for God to do that, Christ, the son of God, had to become a man. So that tells us about incarnation. So he had to. They borrowed the womb of Mary and had to introduce Christ into the world so that he can come into the world and live and, you know, as a savior and deliver us. So when God became man, he was introduced into the earth. And when Satan saw him, he knew that there was something up here. He knew something was happening here. He knew this was not a normal man. Praise the Lord. Every temptation he tempted Jesus with, did Jesus fall for any of them? 
No other person had beaten Satan on every ground. Praise the Lord, somebody. So Satan knew that this was a hard nut to crack. Okay? And the journey continued. Jesus lived this life, and the Bible says the prince of this world cometh and what? Finds nothing. So this man was proven to be a man that was sinless, spotless, which means a man who had no need to be delivered from sin. He had no need to be delivered from captivity. Now, in the orchestration and the wisdom of God, on Wednesday we said God is deft. You know, God is too much. You know, God is something else. Praise the Lord. God orchestrated it that the leaders of the religious group in Israel then became jealous of Jesus and handed him over to the Romans to crucify him. And throughout that process, Satan said, this is it. We killed this man. And that's the end of the discussion. Praise the Lord. And they succeeded. You know, they were jeering at Jesus. And they were mocking at him. You saved others. You yourself, you cannot save. If you are the son of God, come down from this tree and save yourself. Satan was laughing. This is it. I have him. And the Bible said he was crucified. And he died. And he was buried. Praise the Lord, somebody. Put 1 Corinthians 2, 8. I don't want to quote it for you. I want you to say Read it for me. It says what? Which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known what? They would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What didn't they know? That is what makes you a Christian. They didn't know the power of resurrection. When they killed Jesus, they thought that was his end. Little did they know that killing Jesus was planting mango. You took one mango and put it on the ground. And you were stamping it and pouring water, killing, putting things on it. You didn't know you were giving him manure. What they didn't know was resurrection. That's what makes you a Christian. That's why the Christian, the Bible says, believes that God was raised him from the dead. When you have that understanding, I tell you, you can tell the devil, go and buy me coke. You can send him on errands. Is someone hearing me? If you don't have that understanding, you have not. Because, you see, it was something that the princes, the rulers, the principalities, they did not factor it in. Even the religious Jews, they couldn't factor it. They say, you stone and block it. They thought that they had killed a, a normal man and they were going to keep him in the grave to rot. But they forgot that uh, David said, you will not allow my flesh to see corruption. They forgot that he said, destroy this temple and what will happen? On the third day, I will raise it up. They did not know the power of his resurrection. Now, the Christian is somebody who is living on earth and believes that God, the Son, came into this world, lived as a man, died, and on the third day, what? Rose from the dead. He believes that. Now, what is the implication of that? Someone may be asking. The implication of that is this. You see, every journey, let's take the lectern to be everything in life, okay? So, the Christian is here and he believes that God raised Jesus from the dead. And that Jesus died for him. He's the Savior. That's why the Bible says, God commended, demonstrated his love towards us. That while we are yet was seen as Christ did what? Died for me. Okay? So, as I journey as a Christian now, I'm journeying. This is the ultimate now destination. The understanding and the faith that I have that God raises the dead tells me something here now. That this point is no longer such a big deal. You know why? Because the God I serve, when situation got this extreme, death, the Bible says the final enemy to be destroyed is who? Death, okay? When death occurred, death could not hold this, my savior. Is someone with me? When death occurred, death didn't stop him. Even in the grave, what did the Bible say? Jesus is what? Lord. So death is no longer the final chapter on the life of a Christian. It means that when you believe in God, all of a sudden, you have been tuned to a power that is superior to death. I don't know if someone is getting me now. Because someone is listening, someone came to church here, and your problem is death. D-E-B-T. Death. You're owing money. Owing money is here. 
You have not died. It's not a death situation. Somebody is sick. Sickness is somewhere here. Are you with me? It means that there is a body to be sick on. But your Savior has gone beyond that and saves from the dead. Say he's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Whatever problem, the issues of Nigeria are here. There are camel cases. The champion you and I have is saying that I have conquered death. So any situation the Christian faces, he understands. That's why that passage in Philippians 2 says, Wherefore God has highly what? Exalted him and given him a name that is what? Above. Why does he have the name above every name? Because he has traveled the whole route and came out victoriously. So when the Christian says the name of Jesus with revelation, something happens. When the devil knows that you're talking about the one who rose from the dead. Not the Jesus that they sing about. Not the Jesus, you know, song one. The Jesus that you know as a Christian. That this is what happened. Come, come with me to Romans chapter 1 verse 4. Let, let me show you something there. Okay, let's start from the beginning, from verse 1. This is Paul speaking. He says, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, Okay. Which he promised, he's talking about the gospel now, before through his prophets and the holy scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. Can we say it now? So he's the son of God, but he was born of the seed of David according to the flesh to fulfill that requirement of being a man. But look at what verse 4 begins to tell us. He said, and so he was the son of David according to the flesh. But this verse 4 says, and declared to be the son of God. How? It says, with power, according to the spirit of holiness, what? By the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection is the demonstration of power. Are you with me? Without the resurrection, we have no faith. We have no Christianity. That's why Paul was speaking. He says, if only in this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all men what? The most miserable. But we are not even talking about the afterlife. We are talking about every day I live. Paul said to them, you see, I'm not in chains to Roman chains. I'm in chains to the word of God. Why? Because my life is only subject to what my father allows. You can't lock me up if my father says go. Hallelujah. Did somebody come to church today? You need to understand this, okay? Most of us, when we're small, we're afraid of ghosts. I'm saying when we're small, I hope you're no longer small. (laughs) Now, when Peter, one of the apostles of Jesus, was locked in prison, in bonds, in between soldiers, okay? God, this is our God, sent his angel, he released Peter. Now, how did that miracle happen? They say, Peter... You're in the state of a man, but be like us a bit. When Peter became spirit, the chain couldn't hold him. The door couldn't be locked before him. The transition happened. You read that story. Peter was taken out of prison in a manner that could never be understood. But see what happened. When they got to the city gate, all the things that were living, they didn't say opened. When they got to the city gate, when the angel was going to leave Peter, he put Peter back in the flesh. Then the gate opened. All the other places he passed, they didn't need to open. I say, you're serving a mighty God. I say, somebody is serving him. Are you understanding what I'm talking about? The power of this God is immeasurable. You and I need to know the God we're dealing with. He said, Peter, rise up. Let us go. They didn't lose the chain. They didn't pick the locks. They didn't break it. Peter rose up. They started going. When they got to a point where the angel could no longer put Peter as part of him, The gate had to physically open because Peter now became a normal Peter. Child of God, if you know the God you serve, fear will go. Boldness will come. Is someone getting what I'm saying? God says, my son, whosoever, the Bible says, it puts it this way. You know, John 1, I like the way old King James would it. He said, to them that believe on the Lord, to them that receive, he said, to them gave he power. To become what? The sons of God. There is a revelation that will give you power. Is someone with me? There is an understanding that 
Every Christian should be your minimum identification as a Christian. That God raised Jesus from the dead. You fully have not understood that. The one that the Bible says is now indwelling you. The one that is your savior. See, he's raised from the dead. What's he doing now? Says he ever lives to make intercessions. So the one who was raised from the dead. We, some of us here have bodyguards. Some of us here have uh, all kinds of security details. Your chief security detail died and is living again. (laughs) Hallelujah, somebody. Your chief security detail is seated in heavenly places, far above principalities and power. The Bible says we do not have a high priest who cannot be told. Your lawyer has passed through what you passed through and is making intercessions for you. Your lawyer is the son to the chief judge. Your lawyer is the one that the chief judge says, I've given all rule and authority to you. So his lawyer, his advocate and judge. Is someone getting where we're going here? You see, the Christian has come to know that this thing we are talking about is not science. You know, for some time, I don't know if I've shared it with us here. For years, science was trying to mock Christianity. That some of the things they wrote in the Bible are not possible. Some of the things they wrote are not possible. Some of the things, how can they say stars? There are 300 and something stars. How can they now say Abraham's children are the stars? How many stars are there? Anybody know now? Does anybody know? Uncountable, right? But there's a time science thought that stars were from, they moved from 300 to 1,000 to 3,000. They've been moving. The better telescope they have, the more they can see. And now they've given up. Praise the Lord. There was a time that they thought the earth was flat. So when the Bible said God sits upon the circles of the earth, they said there must be something wrong here. You know, these people don't know what they're talking about. Do you know when they wrote the Bible and they said a time is going to come that you wouldn't need something physical to buy? You place your finger or they read your face. Haven't we gotten there now? What type of technology did did they have then to be able to predict it? I want you to fear God. I want you to know the God you serve. I want you to know the awesomeness of this God. He's a mighty God. Let me say, I serve a mighty God. So back to that Romans 1.4. It says, and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. The Christian believes death is final. The Christian believes there is no final unless God says so. As long as she can speak to God. In fact, time will fail me to tell you. Do you know that when Jesus hung on the cross, for him to actually really die, he had to say, spirit, I give you up. Death couldn't kill him. The bleeding couldn't kill him. He had to give up his spirit. Is someone getting what I'm saying? The Christian understands the awesome power that is in Christ Jesus. So when they said to Ezekiel, can these bones live? We forgive him because he did not know the resurrected Christ. But for you and I that are reading the New Testament, the minimum is that you believe that he was raised from the dead. And you see, praise the Lord somebody. A man, you know, some um, um, Christian writer had written that anybody who refuses to believe, you know, in the God of the Christians must just tell himself that he doesn't want to believe. You know why? The early disciples, the persecution they went through, what will make them not say, ah, what's there? What's my own? I won't kill myself. Okay, I'm not following Jesus again. What will make them not deny him? Why they couldn't deny him was this. They knew a man, mighty in works, mighty in words, mighty in deed, prophet of God and all of that. They saw the man with their two eyes crucified they saw the man dead dead they saw the man buried buried they went home first night second night third night the women who before had history of demon possession came and told them that man had raised they say you're crazy they said the tales of the women were what like i do tales to them but they said nonetheless let us go so the disciples went and true true the man that was dead it's no longer in the grave. Next thing they see the man that was dead. And he appears. And say, Peter, how now? Thomas was not there. Thomas said, unless I see him. And I put my finger into the palm of his hands. I will not believe. After one week, he came again. Said, Tommy, come now. Thomas came. He said, put your finger in. They were still looking. He said to them, bring fish. Let me eat. 
You see something like that. And somebody says, I'll shoot you. You say, which part do you want to shoot? I will shoot you if you don't deny that man. You say, which part? The reason Christians live the way they live is that they don't know the resurrection. When you know the resurrection, you, you see people and they say, I must do this. And I, I can never do this. And you wonder, are you a Christian? Do you, know what, do you know the things that are allowable in that journey? Peter was crucified upside down. Paul, I think, was born in hot oil. John was banished. Do you know, it can't happen unless you believe in the resurrection. Because all Jesus did, brother, all Jesus did, sister, he didn't need to do it. He was God, found in appearance as a man, humbled himself to the point of death, the death of a slave. You see, Jesus, hallelujah, Satan and his people, there were several options of death for Jesus. But they chose crucifixion because crucifixion was the most horrifying, the most painful, the most degrading. People were not crucified in clothes. They were crucified naked. Maybe just something little here, tight. That's how he was crucified. And Jesus didn't do that for Jesus. He did that for Ikeno KK. He did that for me. That's what makes me a Christian. I believe the Son of God came into this world to die for my sins. But just the better news is that God raised him from the dead. And now he's my Lord. So power, I know there is power. Love, I know he loves me. Fear is gone. What shall I fear again? The psalmist said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Say, when they rose up, when the enemies came against me, what happened? He said, they stumbled and they fell. Listen to me. This is what it means to be a Christian. It changes everything. So, I'm dealing with you, sir. And you slap me and I want to slap you. But the one who rose from the dead said, don't slap him back. I say, see why you really deserve a nice hug. What has changed is that I'm seeing the resurrected Christ. There's another party in this conversation. It is no longer me. The same way Julius comes and threatens me. He's from Obunike. He has gone. They have brought chicken that is tying wrapper. He's going to kill me. When I look at him, I say, Lord bless you. Ah, what a pitiful soul. Those demons get out of you in the name of Jesus. Come, let me give you food to eat. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? There's no fear again. Why? Because I have a resurrected Savior. The one who was declared to be son of God with power. According to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection. You see, there's something they say. I don't know. I think it must be in every line. They say they have cooked somebody. Anybody here they have cooked before? Yeah, I mean, it's all right. They can cook you and then you get better revelation and you uncook yourself. Okay. You see, that cooking, there is no better cooking now. You see, praise the Lord. I, I think my wife told me of, of a relative of them, native doctor. I don't know whether it's a relative. Who used to carry tortoise and different things. I'm sure some of you know people who carry lizard and different things. They carry different things, Abby. Carry live tortoise, carry snake and people like that. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know what, what in me I they carry? I they carry living being inside my heart. I'm carrying the Holy Ghost inside of me. Somebody getting it. The Christian is a carrier. The Bible says, no, you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. I'm a carrier. You're carrying tortoises and you want me to fear. I'm carrying human being inside of me. Ha! I get it what I'm saying. The resurrection, it changes everything. And because I'm carrying that carry. Now, all the things we started with. Fornication. How can I carry who I'm carrying? And, and say, let's enter. Let's do with who I'm carrying. Anybody doing that is not carrying. You're not carrying. Tell somebody you're not carrying. You're, you can't be carrying and be entering and turning off light. You can't be carrying and be doing and deleting. Carriers don't do that. Carriers can't say, I won't forgive you. I said, what did he do? If you know what he did to me, I won't forgive you. And you're carrying the one giving you and he's still forgiving you and you need him to forgive you you're not a carrier that's who a christian a christian is a carrier he he's carrying the resurrected christ he's living in the presence of the living jesus that's who he is when that christian faces a challenge ezekiel was in the old testament so he said god thou knowest 
But in the new, Jesus said to the disciples, with men it is impossible, but with God, all things are what? That's what we understand now. We know that we have been given a name. Ezekiel didn't have that name. But we know we have that name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee bows. So they said to Ezekiel, prophesy, and the bones and everything started coming together. In our own dispensation, he has finished the work. At the point Ezekiel was prophesying, the work hadn't been finished. But on the cross, Jesus said, Tetelestai. Every requirement is met. I finished it. And when he rose from the dead, you know what he did? He gave you power of authority. Let's rise on our feet. He gave you power of authority. He said, go in my name. That's why he says, all authority has been given to me. The Christian is somebody who believes in the resurrection and is living daily in the revelation of the res- resurrection. He said, I don't know how to preach this message to somebody, but I just want somebody to leave you a believer. You thought you were a believer, but you came in here in unbelief because you don't know who you're carrying. The God who raised from the dead, he began to give us a little inkling in, in it when they said to him, he said, Lazarus, whom you love is sick. Okay. Now, if he were not the resurrection and the life, if you go to the hospital, the emergency section, when an emergency occurs, all the doctors rush to save life. Because if that life goes, it is gone. But when the resurrection is involved, he doesn't rush. Sometimes he will wait. I speak to somebody, your situation looked like time had passed. But there's a resurrection and life. He's your savior. The years have expired, but his power is still very much active. If you would only know who you have. If you would know who it is you believe in. You see, he said that when they sent him, the one whom you love is sick, quickly come. He said he tarried. He tarried. Why did he tarry? Because the power he carried, death had nothing on it. And when he appeared on the scene, you could see the stylish manner in which he raised him. He said, Lars, he said, come, let's go. He didn't even speak to death. Declared to be the son of God by the spirit of holiness, the resurrection power. That is where Christian is. Can these bones live? That's where I'm, I'm living in the realm of possibilities. I'm living in the realm of God. Brethren, he said to the Jews, he says, if my covenant with this, every day the sun rises. The sun is not rising by technological aid. There is no crane that is lifting the sun. It is the word of God that said, you rise. The same word of God is your savior. Everything that is happening in nature is sustained. It says, upholding all things by the word of his power. That same word has given you a superior privilege. That Jesus is now inside of you. Sickness, you speak to it, go. Infirmity, go. Whatever it is, you go. Why? Because you're a believer. The Jesus who saved you is an all-saving Jesus. He's an all-encompassing Jesus. That's why I'm confident for this nation. You know why? Because they must know this Jesus. Are you hearing me? They must know whether they decide to bow easily or bow in a difficult way. They must know this Jesus. You know why? Because he is Lord of all. That's what we're talking about. So something begins to happen. Paul was caught and he was being tried. And this was the question he asked and which is where I want us to stop. He said, I don't understand why these men are querying me. He said, why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Listen to me. I want you to ask yourself the question. How far do you think God can go? When is God late? Please. This time I want you to ask yourself this question. When is God late? What is it that God cannot do? The other day, I drank juice of bitter leaves. Juice. How many of us know bitter leaves? The juice. Pastor Lord mentioned it to me. I drank it and I actually enjoyed it. It's a miracle. You know why? Let me tell you why it's a miracle. As an unbeliever, I didn't drink beer. Not that I was good. It was bitter. Bitter things. Better send me to do 100 press-up. Don't tell me to take beer. Even, I can't eat garden egg. It's bitter. What is difficult to love your wife is difficult. How difficult is that? If kidnappers keep you and say, is that your wife? Say, go and love him. Ha. Will you tell kidnappers? No, I will not love. Mm-mm. Will you say that? 
I've told us here how, for those who don't know, uh, there are new people here. Let me tell you the story. I was wearing suit like this, maybe even better than this. And I was in my car waiting for a babe to come out. And then I saw fellow men like me. But the only difference was that they had AK-47s. And as they were approaching my car, Mercedes-Benz in Lagos, I got down from the car, greeted them honorably, and then went into the gutter and lay down. For with AK-47, many things are possible. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if you tell me you can't, I know you haven't seen him. I know you don't know him. Because when you know this Jesus, hallelujah, child of God, tomorrow is filled with all manner of possibilities. Who can say it's over when the Lord has not said it's over? Who can say this is your best? You know, one of the things that helps me keep, you know, try to be very careful in life is this. If you know this God, you know that your houseboy can become your boss tomorrow. You know that your driver can become your boss tomorrow. You know that the wheel of life turns. There is no condition that is permanent. The person that is saying I will deal with you might be the person crying for mercy tomorrow. If you know a bit of this God. So today, who is the Christian? The Christian is a believer. Believer that Jesus is his Lord. Jesus went to the cross. He died and God raised him. And the Bible says there's power. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. You believe in the resurrection. You say you have that same spirit dwelling inside of you. Brethren, 2023 must not be like last year. It must not be like anything you know. Your business, your finances, your Christian work, your speech, your conduct, everything must not be the same. Those dry bones, life comes in the name of Jesus. Why? Jesus said the words that I speak to you that are spirit and life. When Jesus speaks, life comes. We have left Ezekiel. Jesus looked at a man with withered hands. He actually didn't heal him. He just spoke to him. Stretch forth your hands. The man could have said, I'm sick. But when the words came, life came with it. He stretched out his hands. So you can say he healed him in a sense, but in a sense, he just spoke. He said to the man sick of palsy who had been bedridden, he said, rise up, take your bed and walk. That's not healing. But he says, the words I speak are spirit. Can you take your faith to where the word of God will move your leg? And move your leg and move your hand. I don't want to do this, but the word of God says so, so I do it. What you find out is that as you begin to do that, you realize that principalities, powers, everything begin to be subject. You know why? All of a sudden, you have now come into the realm of those that are given the power to become sons of God. Today, I wish I could sing. To they that believe on the Lord, He gave them power to become sons of God. It's the Lord. They believe on the Lord, He gave them power to become sons of God. Praise the Lord. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.com. God bless you.